You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to NSPS Radio Hour. Hope you are having a fine day, and thank you for joining us again today. This is Kurt Sumner, your host, and appreciate you very much as our listeners. Today I have with me... Uh, a gentleman who I just met recently, actually, uh, or had a recent conversation with at least, and uh, thought I would get him to come on the show and talk to us about the company he's with and what they're doing these days. And obviously what uh, what you guys do, Paul, affects surveyors. There's no question about that. And for the audience's sake, by the way, the, uh, Paul Renard is with me today. He's with Subsurface Instruments Incorporated. And I will proudly say our newest sustaining member at NSPS. So thank you, Paul. Thank you guys for having us today. Glad to have you on the show. We were talking before the show about uh, a variety of things. And uh, actually, in, in that conversation we were having with David before we started about looking for land, uh, I probably could have used a good locator this weekend when I was trying to figure out if there were actually any property corners set on this piece of land I was looking for. Looking <laughs> generally, generally speaking, when you're looking at uh, farmland or land out in the in the rural areas, like where I, where I was back in the mountains where I grew up, you don't find a lot of uh, of marks unless somebody surveyed it somewhere along the way, and that's not always the case. So yeah, exactly. But uh, what I, I did have a locator with me, but it was because my grandson was looking for a metal wire that he didn't want to hit when he was digging fence posts. <laughs> did you guys find it? Uh, we did, actually. <laughs> and we're able to avoid it, so I guess that was a good thing. It was a win-win. <laughs> yeah, it's a win-win for everybody, that, that's for sure. So um, maybe start out, you can tell us a little about about you first, if you'd like, and also tell us something about uh, subsurface and its history. Sure. I've got, uh, we're actually in uh, Wisconsin, so kind of comical. I grew up in uh, northeastern Wisconsin in a little area called Door County. It's kind of a uh, big tourist attraction. Oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Peninsula. Don't they have some big golf courses there or something? They've got <laughs> they've got some good golf courses, but uh, the bigger golf courses that you might have heard of are the ones uh, that Kohler started uh, in Sheboygan, like Whistling Straits. Oh, and, yeah, uh, I've heard, yeah, exactly. You know, that's about, uh, from Green Bay, that's about an hour. But uh, Door County, I, I'm a true cheesehead. I grew up on a cheese factory. Uh, my dad started a Bernard's Cheese in the 60s, and we've got three generations of cheesemakers in our family and two master cheesemakers, which is uh, something that's a pretty big deal in Wisconsin. There's about, I think, 60 to 70 actual master cheesemakers in the whole state, and have two of them in our family is kind of impressive. Now, in, in a uh, business like that, I know we're getting off topic a little bit, but I'm yeah. curious. In, in, a business like, in a business like that, um, cheese, obviously, you got to have milk product. Uh, so is that, I guess when you get to a certain level, do you do you still, are you able to operate with your own uh, herd to, to provide the, the underlying uh, resources, or do, do they depend on other people to do that? I, I, I was no, we've never, we've uh, never, basically in like Wisconsin, let's just go back to the 20s and 30s and you know, kind of a little history, but the real, we've never had anybody that, uh, we don't have our own milk. We buy milk from a farmer. And uh-huh. in Wisconsin, the reason that there were so many cheese factories in every corner was was the hauling of milk was important because there was no refrigeration. So uh-huh. to get the milk over, they usually had a horse-drawn carriage and the milk was in cans. 
so as you know time and things have progressed you know at some point also then they had you could store the milk so at one point you know my father my older siblings had to make cheese every day because they didn't have any holding tanks so now they have holding tanks they can refrigerate the milk it kind of changes a lot of things of uh on how you get the milk to the cheese factory itself yeah kind of like my grandmother churning for butter yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Same, same, same kind of process or not the same process but the same uh uh, underlying situation because it's going to go bad if you don't if you don't yeah, do something with it. Right? If you don't do anything, it's going to go. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. So uh, since I was uh, number six of seven children, as we joke around, there's a lot of uh, chiefs, not enough Indians. I started a financial services company when I was 20, and then I sold that company in 2013. And then from there, two of the owners of Subservice Instrument were clients and good buddies of mine. Uh, they asked me to come along and help them with uh, business development at the company. So I've, uh, since 2015, I joined Subsurface and uh, helping them really grow brand recognition for a great product that we have that uh, not a lot of people know about yet. So uh, speaking of roots and the way things come about, uh, I mean, obviously, the, the, your roots are in the in the milk business, and all of us have something in our history about that. Um, as far as the company itself is concerned, did they did they start out to do this particular thing, or did they historically have some other thing they were doing, and this this became part of their product line? No, they actually started four gentlemen started the company that were with a competitor, and decided to break out, and they really wanted to change a couple things. You know, they were lackluster and new technology. So in 1996, these four gentlemen left their previous employer and started Subsurface Instruments. And as it moved on and progressed, it actually moved here to Green Bay. And uh, the new ownership team that we have took over, took control in 2011. But no, they originally started to, you know, manufacture magnetic locators, you know, underground detection equipment was the gist of the company. So when you were talking about the the new owners, is this a totally new ownership or are some of the people who started the company still there? Uh, no, totally new ownership. The for the gentlemen that started the company are no longer with uh, Subsurface Instruments, so it's a totally new ownership group. Uh, you know, they still talk to them. You know, once in a while, if there's anything that we need, but no, since 2011, the uh, ownership changed. And and obviously stayed in the same place, and no, no nobody who worked had to leave or anything like that. So no, I guess that, that's always a good thing. The only thing interesting was uh, just last summer we moved about a mile down the road. <laughs> we went from one uh, facility that we were leasing to actually purchasing a facility that had a little more production room in the back. Yeah. I, being a surveyor, I, I probably should know more than I do about the process of of developing, creating locators and what goes into it and the specific <laughs> expertise that's involved. Um, but uh, I, I, I'm, I'm assuming there have to be... Uh, craftsman of sorts, if that's the right word. Yeah, well, you, you know, the biggest parts, you know, in some of our equipment is the electronics that are inside of it, and then, you know, everything is made for magnetic locators. Everything is made, actually, in the state of Wisconsin, and it gets here, and we kind of assemble them and test them and, and make them work. So I think it's still kind of, you know, some of that old technology or what they're trying to do with a magnetic locator of locating that ferrous metal, you know, is still the same. We just kind of changed the shape of the instrument. I don't know if uh, you had a chance to look at that, but our... Yeah, I did. I looked on the website. Okay. Our, you know, the normal magnetic locators, you know, everybody 
you know, Shonstead is the uh, big competitor out there, and you've got some other manufacturers as well. They have a box, you know, on the outside. And, you know, you just kind of use it as you wave. They're not waterproof. What uh, happened was the military came to us in Shonstead in the mid-2000s and said, guys, get the box inside of the tube, number one. Number two, make it waterproof. And the third thing they wanted was it to support the weight if it got run over by a Humvee. And we actually were the first ones to design that, and that's how we came up with our instrument called the uh, ML3. Oh, I see. And then the military bought a substantial amount of units, and what they used them for, obviously, was to you know find landmines in Afghanistan. Right, right. So yeah, I had heard. Go ahead. Uh, no, I had heard uh, reports about about that use, of course. Uh, when it was when it was going on, and I guess it's an ongoing thing wherever they happen to be. But right, and uh, so that came up with the instrument that we made it was called the ML3L, or the long version, which is 55 inches. And I was learning a little bit about this industry and things. I always joke around. I would definitely want it to be a lot longer than 55 inches if I was trying to find a landmine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would think so. I, I think I'd have the intensity turned up really, really high. And, yeah, exactly. You know, it's, it'd be, it'd be uh, um, not equivalent to, of course, but in so, sort of a uh, sarcastic way maybe, but be equivalent to having an instrument that when you walk onto the property, you turn it on, and it immediately points you to all the, the, the all markers the all, all at one time. <laughs> But, and then we, uh, the smaller instrument, the ML3S, is 40 inches long, and then, you know, obviously, surveyors use that quite a bit. Yeah, that's kind of more of a standard length, I guess. Mm-hmm. So we've got three different models. We have the ML1 and the NL1M, which is a metered version, and then the ML3, which we think is basically the only magnetic locator in the industry that's IP68 certified, meaning it, they put it under all these harsh extremes to try to test it, number one, make sure it's waterproof. We've had it tested at 270 feet in water. They beat it up, run it over, and you know we're the only one, like I said, to have that certification so that the thing definitely is strong. And it's a good you know locator in general. Uh, well, a good story is we've had one of our customers it was in the UP in the middle of winter, and the snow was so high, it was about five feet up, they had to crawl up the top of a roof to find a shutoff valve. And they took our locator and a competitor's locator, and ours was the only locator that could actually find that box or the valve box through the snow. Wow. Yeah, they do get a little bit of snow up there in the UP. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That's for so, sure. I've never been brave enough to be there in the winter. Actually, I, <laughs> yeah. As, as my listeners know, one of my best friends in the world was a guy named John Matonich who lives out in Bessemer, um, and uh, he's just been back. He he grew up there, and uh, but uh, he um, lived downstate for a long time. But I, I used to go visit him a lot, and just never had the nerve to go in the winter time. Summertime is a much better spot. <laughs> now, you mentioned the ML1M, and you said it was metered. Talk about that a little bit. Uh, just basically on the, you know, the display box, you can kind of see how it works and where you're at with you know the location. It has some digital metrics inside of there, so it shows oh, okay. you, you know, the sensitivity. If you're picking something up, it shows you digitally how sensitive it is or you know how close you are maybe to on top of that Ferris 
you know, or that pin that you're looking for or whatever you're trying to locate. Right. And I'm so it's just another vi- another visual besides the, the sound. You know, I got usually, you. you know, so people, maybe if you're in a spot where there's a lot of traffic or you're next to a highway or something and you can't really hear the instrument as well, you could use that metered section to kind of take a look and watching it and have a visual aid besides just the uh, audio as well. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, every time I have a conversation, and I probably even mentioned this before on the show too, but I always go back to the old dip needles we used to use in the in the good old days. And you, you being somewhat new, even know business, you might even know what that is. I don't even know what that is. <laughs> it, it was a box that had a needle on it, and of course, the needle would be attracted to uh, something magnetic, and uh, so when you you would wave the thing over the ground looking for a property pin and when when the needle turned to the position where it was supposed to be to be over something metallic uh then then you would you would know you were over something and then of course you'd dig four or five holes trying to find something and you'd end up with chewing gum wrappers and whatever else might be there uh pieces of old fence or something somebody had discarded you know whatever the case may be well we're at a break believe it or not so let's go do that and we'll be right back Quick Stakes. Does your survey supply dealer have Quick Stakes? If not, demand that they start carrying Quick Stakes. Did you know that Quick Stakes are better for your back than your local chiropractor? Lightweight and easier to use than the old heavy wooden stake. Order a sample today and prove it to yourself. Quick Stakes, your back-friendly stake. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose, and with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. So I'm curious, Paul, with you being somewhat new to this business, um, 
was that your first exposure to the world of surveying, or did you have any other any other contacts with people like us crazy surveyors? None. That was my very <laughs> first experience with uh, any type of locating in general, or act, you know, with surveyors as well. Yeah, and and speaking of that, I'm, I'm sure, um, obviously, that surveyors are not the only people you guys deal with. You, I'm assuming you have a pretty long list of, of folks who have an interest in locators. Yeah, we, there is a very long list. I mean, just from uh, municipalities, sewer and water, you know, they're trying to find the same thing, whether somebody's black, you know, blacktop a road, can't find the manhole cover, can use it for that. Uh, the military, as we touched on before, you know, just people are just trying to find, you know, stuff in general, you know. Some of the things that you're, you know, you're looking for, maybe, you know, a handgun underground or something, you know, at a crime site. So many different things. Anything that has a ferrous type of metal is, you know, what that magnetic locator picks up. So in the sewer and water industry, besides, you know, the road work where they got manual covers, you know, shutoff valves, you know, water shutoff valves, things of that nature as well. Yeah, I certainly understand that. that the whole sewer and water thing, although somewhat unrelated to locators maybe could be extrapolated out that far but what I was going to say was uh, years ago uh, I learned early on when I was doing work as a consultant for municipalities that if I was going to be working in sewer and water the best resource I could find was this foreman for all that work who'd been there for the last 40 years because that person's always going to know where everything is and, Kurt, and you, that's what's amazing to me about this locating and you know locating the industry or however you want to say it, in general is you hit that on the head there are so many times where I'll travel on the road and I'll be at a municipality or a township and I'll be like okay you know where do you guys think this is or that and they're like you know ask Bob he's been here for 40 years but what's shocking is Bob doesn't have anything written down Exactly. I'm like, what? What happens when Bob leaves? You know, <laughs> <laughs> like it's, he's working on his own job security. But uh, it's interesting that there's not a lot of stuff that's mapped for a lot of these. You know, you're starting to see more progressive townships that are actually doing that and mapping it, which is not cheap to have a mapping system as well. But it was just kind of blew me away with all the technology we have in the world that a lot of these things weren't mapped in individual cities already. Yeah, and, and that's a whole lot more commonplace than people think. I mean, it's, uh, of course, I, I'm talking many years ago when I first started doing this and, and haven't really had exposure to that part of the, of the business for quite a while doing the job I'm doing now and not practicing full time. But even up to the time when I was, it didn't change a lot. I mean, that, that, particularly in the rural areas, you, you've got the guy, you know. And, right, and you got that, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> that's he, it. And he does and he doesn't pass the knowledge down until he's about ready to retire. <laughs> right. And and in a lot of cases I found over time was uh, the Bob in town really didn't have much use for locators. So why did he need those? He knew where everything was. So, so you know, he was... <laughs> <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. But it's just an interesting dynamic that kind of goes with the whole thing, but indicative of the, of the, the fact that... Um, being able to catalog all this information and put it into into some kind of system um, is is part of what you guys are involved in because if you're going to catalog it, you got to find it, right? Right, exactly. 
and that's true for, like you said, water and sewer and gas and, I guess, pretty much everything else. Anything that's underground. There's, I mean, just think about all the changes we've had in technology and all the things that have been buried in the last 15, 20 years. It's, uh, there's a lot of stuff underneath the ground, and if you just start digging and not knowing what you're doing, it can uh, add up or be costly to, you know, to the insurance company, to you, the contractor, pretty oh, yeah. quickly when you just you know, snip that, one line. That, that's become so much more uh, sensitive, might be the right word, with fiber optics. Right. You know, I was just no, in you... Michigan last week, and uh, we woke up, and we were out of Internet service for almost a, a day and a half, and the crew was out there in this one spot in the road for a day and a half trying to, fi- you know, trying to figure it out. <laughs> so yeah. you don't know what, you know, what happened, but there's a lot of stuff that's buried underneath the ground. That's for, that's for darn sure. Well, one of the things you mentioned in, uh, in uh, the notes we shared, you, you were talking about a relationship with Fuji. Yeah, Fuji was basically manufactured. So we manufacture all the magnetic locators that we have, but we also distribute pipe and cable locators. Ah. And also leak detection equipment is also part of uh, our wheelhouse of products that we sell. So Fuji manufactures our pipe and cable locators as well as our leak detection equipment, and we're the master distributor for those products in the United States and also in Mexico. Now, is that uh, business that they're in selling these types of locators, is is that, do they sell basically to people like you guys, or do they have a market that goes directly to the to the users, or how does that work? No, what Fuji does, we have a basically a good, a really good joint relationship with them. Is we manufacture all their magnetic locators and they private label them, and they have about ninety percent of the market in Japan. And for us, they obviously manufacture piping cable locators and link detection equipment, and they sell that through master. They call their master distributor contracts in different countries. So they ship all their products into us. We then, you know, we distribute them through a dealer network as well, where it, you know. A dealer will sell it to the end user versus us selling it directly to the end user. But no, Fuji is just in the business of manufacturing the equipment and then having somebody resell that equipment in different territories. So, from a production perspective, what they what they provide, you don't have to assemble. Correct. Understand that correctly? Yep. Okay. Yep. We've got the, uh, the the piping cable locator comes in. You know, we get it; it's ready to go. And same with the uh, leak detection equipment as well. Yeah. Well, is the production process for the equipment that you guys build, um, is it gone streamlined with uh, mechanics these days, or is it still uh, people-sensitive or people-oriented? It's, well, it's kind of a combination of both. You know, the tube that we get made gets made by a company that sends the whole tube in, and then we just kind of put the parts inside of it. So, you know, the bigger the tube part is gets done, you know, let's say that's mass-produced, but putting the electronics in and testing it are still done by people. Okay, thanks. I was just writing as we were talking. So is the is is your market, I mean, I, I, obviously it's beyond surveyors. Um, is it, what, what's that reach? And not only, I guess, in looking at your, at your website, I mean, you've got dealers everywhere, it seems. I don't, I don't, I didn't look in every state, but every state I looked in, you had dealers. <laughs> so, yeah, like I said, you know, we sell through through a dealer network. So, 
Yeah, we have dealers pretty much in every state, and we've had products sold in. You know, we've also got, besides piping cable locators, let's maybe step back there and chat a little bit of, you know, where some of these things reach is. We have a product called the All Materials Locator. And what that does is that product was designed by NASA in 1997 to find the vertical density change of the moon. And we purchased that technology from NASA and have had four upgrades to that instrument since then. But what that instrument does, Kurt, is it finds an edge. So if you think of vert, you know, a vertical edge or a density change underneath the ground. So if you think of the ground as one density mm-hmm. and that pipe going through it, let's just say it's a six-inch pipe, and it doesn't matter what that pipe is made out of, the front, you know, the edge of the pipe, the front and the backside, is what the all-materials locator will pick up. It'll pick up that edge or that change in the density underneath the ground. Okay. okay. But so getting back to our reach, you know, if you kind of talk, first of all, I don't know, if, you know, you're familiar with a pipe and cable locator on what that does and how and how it works. Mm-hmm. So with a pipe and cable locator, basically you have a you have a, the pipe has to be able to take a charge, or it actually gives off a charge already, kind of like a ferrous metal. So with that pipe and cable locator, you've got a transmitter and you've got the receiver. So with the transmitter. You actually direct connect it. You connect it right to that pipe. You've got a uh, positive charge cable, and you got a negative charge or a ground cable. So you, you know you hook it up. Kind of looks like a uh, jumper cable for uh, you know car battery. So you hook mm-hmm. the uh, positive one right onto to the pipe. Or I'll just say, if we're trying to locate a water line, you hook it right up to the fire hydrant, and then you take a grounding rod and put that in the ground and put your grounding connector to that, and then you shoot down a signal down that pipe and with the receiver you basically then punch in which frequency you're shooting and then that receiver you know picks up that signal and that's what and that's how the theory you know of a pipe and cable locator works and with those pipe and cable locators they also give you uh, push button depth because remember you're picking up that signal from the transmitter to the receiver so they're very accurate on the depth as well now where the all materials locator comes into play, Kurt, is when you don't have a pipe that you can charge or it doesn't have a tracer wire. Okay, so sometimes when they put PVC pipe in the ground, they'll lay a tracer wire right next to it mm-hmm. so you can connect onto that tracer wire and charge that. But if the tracer wire is broke or if the PVC, PVC pipe itself doesn't have that tracer wire, that's where the all materials locator comes into play it's another tool for the two bar oh i see well that makes a lot of sense yeah because what you're finding is in the last 20 years as well a lot of communities put a lot of pvc pipe in and Mm -hmm. no and since they didn't have it mapped or don't have the you know correct mapping put it then put a tracer wire in how are you going to start locating that and that's where you're seeing a big problem is some of these municipalities you know, especially rural water associations, things of that nature, are using that all materials locator to kind of find that uh, PVC pipe underneath the ground. Right, and and actually, that whole scenario that you just described, in many cases, is is a is a big issue for surveyors because if we're out on the ground doing a survey and there are easements out there, or they know there's something there, then oftentimes people assume that the surveyor automatically knows where that is. <laughs> and, and we don't. 
Yeah, that's um, a good point. I guess I never thought about that. Is you know how the surveyor is going to know what's there? You know, yeah. they're not. You know, they they're basically looking. You know, I'm guessing you know better than I do as far as they're looking for that marker where it was surveyed before. But they're not looking for a sewer pipe. You know, they're not looking for the fiber optic. You know, they don't know where that stuff underneath the ground is. And and we're well. 45 seconds away from break, so I won't get into this too much, but it really gets down then to with the surveyor um, being dependent on somebody else coming in and locating those pipes when the expectation of the client is that they already know how to do that or that they can instantaneously provide that information without any other people being involved, and that then gets to time because oftentimes when people are doing surveys, they do it based on time and or the time they think it's going to take and then the surveyor says well gee i'd really like to be able to do that for you however you're looking for this kind of thing and that's not really my expertise nor do i have equipment to do that so it creates an issue so maybe we'll chat about that a little bit when we come back from break so let's let's take a break quick stakes is your answer to staking lightweight easy to ride on easy to use easy to find and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes have you tried a sample if not get a pen and paper and write down this number 800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's q-u-i-k-s-t-a-k-e dot com and order your samples ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today whether cruising the strip at a 57 chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Your auto love and investment demands the best, and for 45 years, Passport Transport has been meeting those demands. From manufacturers to the one-car collectors and all other facets of the auto industry and antique auto hobby. The first and the finest with unequaled service and peace of mind. Passport Transport, your auto transportation company. Contact PassportTransport.com with your need today. Passport Transport. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not... Get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're well. Excuse me. We're back with Paul Renard. We're talking about uh, locators, uh, in in particular, uh, with his company with Subsurface Instruments. But we had gotten to the point where we were discussing a little bit about how all of this plays into what we surveyors do and expectations of surveyors for people who hire us to do certain things, and oftentimes that includes trying to determine where things are, whether or not that if they are are a problem or, or an issue, I should say. Do they fall within the easements that have been prescribed? Do they not? Uh, all of those kind of things. And um, 
and as surveyors, we generally don't have all of the equipment we need in many cases. And even if we did, um, it would be a problem of sorts in our minds, at least, to say, yeah, I, I can use my equipment, I can go locate that for you, and I will verify that that's exactly where it is. And, of course, then that's where the, in Virginia, what we call misutility comes in. I know it's called different things in different states, um, where you're depending yeah, like on them. 411, the guys that come in. Yeah, right, the 411 guys, exactly. And, and that slows down the work. Because you got to get on their schedule. It's not like you call them up and say, "Be there tomorrow," because right. that that doesn't usually happen. And so, uh, in in the surveyor's perfect world, from a liability perspective, um, somehow everything that goes underground would have the ability to be located either as it goes in the ground, which nobody likes to do because they think that costs too much or through some other way to do it, like the wires you're talking about. Um, because there's just so many different ways that you can get yourself in trouble out there yeah. trying to, to get things located. And, you know, from the surveyor's perspective, it's virtually impossible to to do that um, with with whatever equipment that we happen to have. Yeah, because, I mean, equipment, you guys are looking, you know, it's more magnetic locators than uh, other serving instruments. You're not really, I don't know too many surveyors that carry around a pipe and cable locator or, you know, a leak detector or, you know, any other type of equipment, you know, besides what they're using to really survey the land. Yeah, and so I was just curious if you guys, as a locator type business, um, is that end of it, what I was talking about earlier, where let's say you don't have a surveyor on site who's going to... um, Every time you put in a piece of pipe or from one end of a straight run to the other or whatever the case may be at the break points, you get a, a pre- precise location of where that is as it's being built. Um, is there what's out there that people like you guys, I don't know, make that or maybe you don't make the wire, but what's the process, if there is one, to make that situation easier, assuming it wasn't located when it was put in the ground? Well, that's where, the, you know, the, getting back to the pipe and cable locator comes in. So, for example, one of our units called the PL2000, it has the receiver and the transmitter. So if that line can take a charge or you can hook up to it with, you know, a tracer wire, then it's pretty easy to locate it, you know, because you're basically putting a charge on that line and then you're picking it up with the receiver. The problem comes in with the other instruments like the all-materials locator is when you don't have that line that you can charge, now you're using this instrument, and like I said, this instrument can find an edge. So saying that, you know, that's that's its strong point and its weak point. You know, for example, if I'm in the middle of a field and say, Paul, you know, try to find this pipe or try to find something, I, if I'm next to a tree, it'll pick up a tree root. You know, it'll pick up a rock that's two inches or larger. Anything that has that vertical density change underground will give a reading or a signal or will pick something up. So there's some training that's involved with the all-materials locator and, you know, training involved just in locating in general. Uh, Using common sense goes a long way in life as well as locating. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, meeting, and like I said, I've been new to the industry, so just kind of learning from some of the locating classes that I've attended at Staking University, it's just really taking a step back and looking at the landscape. You know, where do I see something coming off of the building? You know, for example, some type of 
where the power is going in or there's the, there's a valve coming out. I see the fire hydrant. I'm even looking in the middle of a road. Do I see, you know, is there a spot where they dug up the blacktop? You know, using those types of things will kind of help you when you're locating that. You know, you can kind of get a gist of where some of those things are going to be. Yeah, I, I was curious. Just, I'm, I'm kind of circling back to something here that we, you mentioned earlier, and and I failed to follow up on it. But when you said NASA developed something, and your company purchased it from NASA, that was such a strange concept to me to think that that something that an organization like they like them developed would be even for sale to anybody. <laughs> that that intrigued me a little bit. Well, when you look at, so getting back to the world of pipe and cable locating, when you cannot charge that line, as we've talked about a couple times now, it's what is your other alternative? And I guess that's kind of where, what happened was when NASA designed it, they wanted to really, they were looking at the density change in, you know, the atmosphere, basically the ground of the moon is how they came up with this. And we purchased that technology because when you look at other things that you have, to look at finding buried objects underneath that you don't have a tracer wire on, you're using instruments that are called ground-penetrating radar, and the other technology that's out there is called acoustic pipe locating is where they actually use sound waves. The problem with both of those two technologies is, number one, they're both very expensive. Number two... Sometimes they can't go through certain, you know, through snow, through water, through, you know, uh, clay or concrete. So there's some limit, limitations to what they can do and also some limita- limitations to some of the depth that they can do. So that's kind of where it started is the guys that started subsurface instruments, they were trying to come up with some new technology or new things that they could use in the locating world. You know, that's hence the reason why they started the company in the first place. So perhaps I'm just thinking this through from the the surveyor's perspective. You know, there we, I think we mentioned earlier there are locator companies out there, people who do specifically. That's all they do is underground location, pretty much. Mm-hmm. And surveyors hire them sometimes, or clients hire them. So would those kind of people would be your clients? Yes, those kind of people would. You know, they would buy a pipe and cable locator. They'd also you know sometimes buy an AML depending on what they wanted to do. Those. So, you know, the 411s or the the locate companies themselves, they've got a leeway on each side of that line as well. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's, I think it's 36 inches each side. So they've kind of got a little bit of a variance, you know, on, on, on what they're doing. But, yeah, those are the guys that are using it. Uh, some of our other customers, again, are, you know, a contractor where he calls, you know, 411 or the locate company coming in. And, like I said, they've got that variance on, e- on either side of the pipe. If that individual contractor excavator wants to get closer to that pipe, he's also going to buy a unit because he wants to know exactly where it is. You know, he doesn't want to know if there's a three feet diameter you know width in between there. He wants to know the pipe's right here and it's x x feet deep. Yeah, and, and that's always been a thing. Again, going back to the the surveyor perspective, you go, you call a locator group to go out and locate things, and they put an, uh, a a swath through there that's got yeah. orange paint on both sides of it. And and you're going to be driving a, a rebar somewhere between it, <laughs> and you're thinking, 
this is probably not as much help as I was looking for here. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's like it's in there someplace. We don't really know exactly, yeah, exactly. where. So, and, that, and again, that comes back to the time you know it takes for a job, mm-hmm. and then you know ultimately, ultimately, who's going to be responsible if something would happen where you know somebody did damage a pipe or you know snap a line, something like that. Yeah, but, and of course the 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 big one or one of the big ones. There's probably more so now than in the past, uh, more of this kind of thing going on. But I remember when fiber optics first came along, um, you know, that became a really huge issue because you drive a, a survey corner rebar through a, a fiber optic line, and that's you're probably out of business forever. <laughs> just you probably, just yeah, because of the liability that comes Ability. along. So, so that whole that thing changed the dynamic, I think, in the surveyor's mind a lot. Not that surveyors were careless about it to begin with, but if if you hit a, um, you know, something, just a typical kind of underground line of some kind that's not a communications line, per se, then it it bothered you, but it, you didn't think your life was going to end. Um, but when fiber optics came along, it, it you did think your life was going to end. <laughs> If, yeah, and, that's, and you know, just think about the size of that line compared to some other things that you're looking yeah. at. You know, just it's very small. It's tough to you know, it's tough to find. Right, and and again, the, it's just a frustration for us because we we have to depend on other people to help us figure out where those things are. Because I mean, what what surveyor is going to be able to afford all this equipment to go to use just when they need it? You know, they're not well, going to need it every day of their life, right? And then um, you know the the other point we get back to again is you know the liability. It, even yeah. if they have you know would have the equipment, you know they bought a piping cable locator that they're not that expensive for what they do, but you just don't want to assume that responsibility. Exactly, it's it's beyond your. Uh, you may not even be able to get insurance you could afford I to cover was, that kind of liability. I was just going to say that you know your errors and emissions, all those other things that you have as a surveyor or you know people, anybody in, in business is, yeah, your insurance company is going to be asking you questions about what you're doing and what you're not doing, and you might not have coverage for that. Yeah, exactly right, and and that's a just really that's just another whole part of the of the uh, the, the liability side of things is. Knowing to ask those questions when you're buying something, <laughs> because <laughs> yeah, well, well, it's knowing maybe to find, ask who's the right person to ask those questions to. <laughs> yeah, really, because you 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 kind of make up your own mind in, in a sense of well, I'm covered with this or I'm covered with that. But unless you really understand it, it you you don't know. And uh, there's some good, you know, we have uh, uh, some companies that work with us and 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 a national agency company, so to speak, that works with us, trying to help our members know everything about it, insurance, whether it's this kind of thing or, you know, cyber is now the big deal. Oh, yeah. And being, everybody you know, has to be was, about that. I was on the other side of the coin, you know, in a much different business where my financial services practice, we did a lot of that. But, it's yeah, it's there's so many different things to try to cover, and cyber right now is is the hot button. It's It's huge, whether you're trying to, you know, get onto your account via the Internet or anything. It's just amazing at how much liability is out there for a company when it comes to personal information. Oh, yeah, absolutely it is. And it's just really frightening when you stop and think about it. And um, just, I think, getting to the point where you recognize that you need other people to help you make those kind of decisions 
and being the mavericks that we surveyors are, that's hard for us to grasp sometimes. <laughs> uh, we, we, we don't want to have to do that, but eventually you come to that realization, whether it's just from awareness or if it comes from some trauma you've suffered because you didn't think of it to start with. But, uh, but nonetheless, it's all part of the, all part of the system and the, the service that you guys provide, obviously, and the equipment that you provide helps all of us to, to better be able to identify the things we need to. So we're ready for our, our last break. So let's go do that, and we'll come back and maybe talk about the future a little bit. Okay, thanks. Quick Stakes is your answer to staking. Lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes. Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 800-438-0387, or go to quickstake.com, that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E.com, and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for Quickstakes today. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. Affordable health insurance was the promise of Obamacare, but for many, the government mandate caused more problems than it solved. This is Dr. Elena George from Medicine on Call, and I want to tell you about a truly affordable alternative allowed under Obamacare, Liberty HealthShare. Liberty HealthShare bypasses doctor and hospital panels, giving you the freedom to choose. And with a maximum of $500 out-of-pocket per person and 100% coverage up to $1 million per year per occurrence, you can rest assured knowing you and your family are protected. Coverage starts as low as $107 per month and also includes dental, vision, pharmacy, and holistic care. Liberty HealthShare puts you back in charge of your health. Visit them online at libertyoncall.org. Again, for a true affordable alternative to Obamacare, visit libertyoncall.org or call toll-free 1-800-714-6993 today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. We're back for our final segment with Paul Renard from Surf subsurface instruments uh, again thanks for being with me today um uh, earlier we were talking uh, before the show about your trade-in program maybe you could tell us about that yeah what how our trade-in program works is we'll take anybody's unit and even our own you know if you have one of our old magnetic locators that you want to trade in and give you 125 dollars off of the purchase of a new one so working or not we'll take it in and uh, give you a rebate or a discount on the uh, to purchase a newer unit. And it doesn't matter if it's an ML1, ML1M, or an ML3S, or an ML3 long. So when you bring those back and, and do a refurbish on them, do you have a market for that? Uh, do, you, do you do something? Well, for example, uh, yeah, well, let's just say, you know, we've got a repair shop in the back as well. So if somebody sends us an old piece of equipment, doesn't matter what the manufacturer's of that piece of equipment is, we'll look at it. If it, you know, take out some of the parts that are still going to work for a repair and then just get rid of the unit. But it's really just to kind of get our product out there in the hands of the end user. Right. And and I know you have some outreach. Uh, Yeah, we've done, we've done a couple different things that we've just really started in the last 
two months, we are contacting some universities and technical colleges that teach surveying, and we're actually donating locators to their program, number one. Number two, we're also letting the professor or the chair of that program decide who he wants to give one locator to each year. So we'll then also donate one that he'll give to one student per year based on, you know, some type of things he set up, whether it's grades or they've shown some other type of initiation inside of the uh, program, but uh, we're kind of leaving it up to him. Well, that's pretty neat. That's yeah, a little different a little different twist on the whole donation thing. It's almost yeah. like a, a mini scholarship. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it just is really just to kind of get, you know, subsurface instruments out there in the surveying community and kind of help, you know, these new graduates, you know, that are going to need the, you know, piece of equipment, and we're hoping they use ours going forward. And like I said, it's just, you know, doing good things for good people helps more than anything else. Do you find that there's any market at all for, refurbished instruments for people who maybe use the instruments not necessarily as a main part of their business, but they have some use for them, so they prefer to maybe get a refurbished one for something rather than buy a brand new one? Is that is there any kind of market there? Or? Yeah, I mean, I, you still see a lot of people that are, are repairing units. There, you know, there still is a market there. It just really comes down to, you know, Kurt, what's What's the cost of repairing that unit versus the cost of the new unit? You know, if you get a new unit, our products have a seven-year warranty. So sometimes you've got to make that decision whether you're using it a little bit or you're using it every day. Does it make sense to even fix this piece of equipment versus getting a brand-new unit that is 100% waterproof? You know, you can run it over. You can fall out of your truck. It's still going to, you know, it's going to be there, and it's more dependable, and I guess that's where, it, you know, it comes down to sit and look at, you know, the cost between those two different, you know, segments. Right. Now, do you, in your network of people, of uh, uh, dealers, I guess is the right term for those guys, um, do you have a specific strategy for that in terms of coverage uh, for particular geographic areas, or how does that work? Well, basically, we, you know, our dealers have some minimums of some products that they have to purchase throughout the calendar year. That's kind of where it starts, but usually, you know, they're in the market or, you know, they have a need or they're contacted us because they really like the ML3, where the products are selling right now, you know, like again, getting back to what makes that product so good, being waterproof, you know, it can get run over, it's just stronger as you have other communities, municipalities, even surveyors are reaching out to those dealers and saying, hey, why aren't you having, you know, subsurface instruments, and that's kind of how we get involved. If you also go to our website and you're in a certain geographical area, we've got a page right on our website that's our dealer page where you can punch in which state you're at and it'll give you a dealer that's closer to you. And our website right. address is www.ssilocators.com. Got it. Well, any business, no matter what people do, is thinking toward the future. You know, what's 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 next and 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 again i'll I'll go back to to the ones of us who are surveyors and we haven't always been really great at the whole crystal ball thing uh in terms of what's next in in our cadre of of equipment you know we 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 have our old uh, transits and our theodolites and sometimes we don't adapt really quickly uh although we probably should more than we do but in looking ahead uh, projecting in in being a user, you may not look at it as much as being a producer or a seller. 
so what's, what, how does a process work for, for guys in your business and looking down the road to say, well, okay, what's kind of the next thing out there or what could we develop that would be different or more useful? Well, it's really, you know, using technology. You know, number one, Bluetooth is a big thing. You know, trying to get things wireless that they can also store information. That is very important in the industry and very important for us at Subsurface as we look going forward. We're also making some other things with our all-materials locator. We're continually tweaking it, making it better. So, you know, those types of things are what's out there in the marketplace and what our customers are asking for. Fuji's coming out with some new pipe and cable locators and, you know, just kind of taking a look at what everybody else is doing as well in that industry and seeing what our customers are asking that, you know, they want this locator to do this, they want it to do that, and, you know, seeing what we can do to meet those needs. And I would assume there's probably a community of people out there that are not necessarily directly in the business you're in, but thinking forward in terms of how do you best utilize technologies and, and that kind of thing for whatever the purpose may be that will have some impact on what you see next coming down the road. And I, it, now, are, is Fuji a company in, in that category, or, or, or are they manufacturers yeah, like you guys? Yeah, they, in? yeah, they've got engineers, and they've got people looking forward to and they've got guys that are a heck of a lot smarter than me that are saying, you know, you're some of your instruments should do this or do that. And we're all, you know, collaborating together and uh, listening to each other to come up with uh, things that will help surveyors and, you know, just other people in the field using our instruments. Yeah. Well, I can certainly can certainly see that where you're you're thinking about, okay, what what could we do to make this easier, or maybe, like I said before, the whole crystal ball thing. What what might be coming down the road that nobody's even mm-hmm. thinking about yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And, and that has to be part of the equation, I would think. Yeah, well, even just, you know, if you think about the magnetic locating world, you know, it took almost, you know, 60-some years before we, somebody made a product that was waterproof. So, I mean, some of those things yeah. are pretty simple, but not as simple as what you might think. And, you know, to, you know, withstand or, you know, having the right tube, to have the insurance be able to be run over by, you know, Humvee or by a backhoe or something and still be able to work. So, it, a lot of times, if the end user is not asking for it, some of those companies in the manufacturing world aren't changing anything. You know, it's yeah, something and actually changes. If, if, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Don't fix it exactly. Mentality. Yeah, and not not necessarily thinking about what what you might do if it's working. Let's just keep doing that. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's for sure. So, is is the company sort of settled? You're where you are. You are you looking at expanding in in terms of offices like the one where you are, or are you just pretty well set where you are? Well, the, the the new manufacturing site that we moved in the last year will definitely help us grow, you know, as we go through the rest of 2017 and, you know, 2020 and 2030. It's really just working on our distribution and letting everybody know that, you know, we think we've got a better product than some of our competitors. How people-intensive is it in terms of employees to, to do the things you need to do? Excuse me. How 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 many employees? In other words, if I'm running a small surveying company, it might be yeah. me and some other guy, right? So, yeah. in in terms of being able to develop and create and build the equipment that you sell, is that a large group of people, or is or can a few people use technologies? No, small to mid-sized because you know technology does make a, a major part of it. But we've got about okay. eight employees 
that you know help look at putting things together. It's you know some think it's actually might be smaller than what you really think because a lot you know as we look at our locators, they come in and we just have to assemble them. They're pretty much already manufactured. It's just you know taking them, putting the pieces together, and testing them and making sure that they're working. Yeah, and I think that would be a surprising number to most people because if you if you're looking at a a nationwide reach, so to speak. Right. And dealers all over the place, and all of them having needs to be all able to world. keep keep their needs fulfilled all all over the world. Really, yeah, right. As you say, right. that 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 sounds like it's either uh, really really efficient <laughs> or, or or something because it just seems like a small number of people. Yeah, we are definitely uh, with the new management team. They have streamlined every operation inside of the company. They have done a great job on that, and Joe Wyland. The president has helped that quite a bit with, you know, changing the manufacturing process, how we do things, which has cut down the amount of employees that we needed in the back of the shop. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Well, we're really happy that you guys have, have decided to come on board with us in our sustaining member group, and hopefully we'll be able to find lots of different things that, that we can do together and uh, and work for the benefit of, of all of our members, of course, because that's why we exist, to to benefit the serving profession, but also to demonstrate the serving profession as being really important to the world. So we're, we're looking forward to perhaps opportunities where we can, can participate in some of those things. That would be great. So we've got a couple minutes left. What's your best story about subsurface locations? <laughs> well, we've had <laughs> we've had a, a lot of them from like you know getting back to that uh, person in the Upper Michigan finding uh, a valve box cover you know through five feet of snow. I uh, had one gentleman that a surveyor that actually called us that thanked us for having the ML3 you know having it alum you know basically strong aluminum and not. Um, a plastic piece right on top of by the box because he had a dog that attacked him. And, oh, wow. Uh, he he uh, basically called just to say that, so I'm not trying to offend anybody if they're a dog lover. I'm a dog lover. We got a puppy for Christmas for my two boys. He just made it to the point that this German Shepherd came after him three times, and if he said if he would have had another instrument, even if it had been, you know, our ML1 and anybody else's competitor that didn't have that full tube, you know, he probably wouldn't be here to talk about it. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that, and, and and it's more politically correct to fend off a dog with a locator than a machete. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, probably. I don't know too many surveyors that carry machetes. <laughs> well, actually, all of us do when we're out working, um, either for protection or for cutting brush, one or the other. I mean, it's, it's a pretty big tool for the surveying community, so you're, it's much more... Uh, Community friendly if you're if you're fighting them off with something blunt rather than something sharp. <laughs> yeah, I used to, I, in, in uh, college I used to read meters for Wisconsin Public Service. Oh well, you so, totally you know, understand that. I don't. I know all all about that. <laughs> well, thank you for being with me so today, many, Paul. So many doggy I, treats. I appreciate you being with me today. It's been great having a conversation with you. And again, welcome to uh, NSPS Sustaining Membership. Thank you much. Hey, thank you guys very much. Talk to you Quick soon. Thanks. Is your answer to staking lightweight, easy to ride on, easy to use, easy to find, and won't break your back carrying them like the old-fashioned wooden stakes? Have you tried a sample? If not, get a pen and paper and write down this number, 
800-438-0387 or go to quickstake.com that's Q-U-I-K-S-T-A-K-E dot com and order your samples. Ask your surveying supply dealer for quickstakes today. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 